Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa sirli amri wa hlul aqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Amma ba'd. Respected elders and dear brothers and sisters, dear listeners. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Allah reward all of you for your sacrifice of coming. I realize... Uh, summer is here and the weather is nice and people have uh, other opportunities to do things uh, but we should not allow that to become a barrier in our commitment in our steadfastness in any amal that we're doing so these type of things will keep on continuously happen but when a person makes a commitment then inshallah we should try our best to have all our schedules revolve around that dini commitment if a person is committed to attend one halaqa or one tafsir or one class then most definitely lots of obstacles will start coming. Just yesterday, I think I was speaking to someone. I said, I, you had signed up for a Quran class with your teacher. I'm aware. Did you start? And he said, you know what? SubhanAllah, I've only read one so far. And, th and then he said, every single time I make intention. By Allah, I make intention and then some obstacle comes. I just, my mind just goes off. I, I get distracted. And I said, yeah, this is exactly what shaitan wants to do. That's exactly what shaitan does. Anytime a person makes niyyah, if you were not making niyyah to come here, no obstacles will come. As soon as a person makes an intention to come for, for a masjid program or to be regular, we'll notice that all sorts of obstacles start coming in. And I'm sure you're all a witness to that. We remember this in remember. Nabi Salam said that. After salah, a person is sitting down to do dhikr, all of a sudden shaitan comes and says, remember this, remember that. And it's nothing. But that shaitan says, you need to leave right now after salah and don't do your dhikr because you got to complete this and that. And then shaitan doesn't just come at the end of dhikr. The Prophet said shaitan comes during salah and reminds you of these things that you have to do and that that you have to do. Such things which you did not remember before salah and you probably will not remember after salah also. But only during salah this, this reminder keeps on coming. So we, we have to know our enemy, what we're up against. We're up against the shaitan who wants to deprive us from coming to gatherings like this. So I, I encourage those who, who are here to please uh, come regularly. And those who are not here uh, and you know them, please reach out to them and encourage them to come. We have missed a lot from before Ramadan. We, we had a gr group of brothers that we don't see today. Or we haven't seen since after Ramadan. So uh, what's, what should we do? If you know them, you know who they are. If they were your friends or acquaintances, I ask you to please reach out to them. I do not know all of the brothers. Uh, you know, many of them, I don't know their numbers, etc. So you know, maybe there's a group that used to come with you. Please call them. Please say why we're missing. It's been three weeks. This is the fourth week today, I think so. After Ramadan that we're doing the dars, where have you been? And inshallah, that kind reminder from you will go a long way. It's not that you're picking on them. They will realize that you care about them and you love them. And that's why you're remembering them. This is what friends are for. <laughs> right? In reality, this is what friends are, friendship is about. Is to care about one another. Will we do this inshallah, please? Right? And then besides those who are, who, who are coming, inshallah, encourage also those who may have never come, but are just unaware. Uh, you know, in my travels this past weekend, and coming weekend too, I realized most masajids still, majority, 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 vast majority, I mean, we're talking about over 90%, do not have regular programs in the masjid yet. They still don't. There's no regular on-site tafsir or adars of hadith, etc. Only thing they're doing is open up for Jummah. Or reduce the number of safs between each saf. Or cut down from three feet to one foot, or six feet to three feet, etc. So still, in the city of Chicago, and the area around us, the suburbs, this type of on-site dars is still very unique. And it's not like there's, there's other durus taking place at this time. There just aren't. 
So that's why you don't need to look further than your own neighbors in your Muslim neighborhood area. And then tell them that, hey, why don't you come? Till now, people test today, someone said, is the place open for sisters and children? Ajeeb, I don't know how much more times you should say. The place is open for the whole family. We've been telling this here for years. Even now, in COVID, we never closed the women's section down. Never. It never was closed. Whenever the government forces us to, to close the masajid, for that, you know, they put it uh, uh, the limit of 10 people, etc. And the masjid was closed for that two, three weeks or one month, whatever it was. But after that, Alhamdulillah, since it's open, it's been open for everyone. So those of you who are listening to me online or on site, we ask you to please encourage the women of the family, encourage the sisters, encourage the daughters and the sons uh, to come. And encourage your neighbors to come. Any one, one, uh, one majlis of, of sitting with the Qur'an is more than enough to change a person's life. By Allah. One ayat of the Qur'an is more than enough to change a person's life. One uh, ziyarah of the house of Allah when a person's heart is broken, when he's disconnected from the deen, sitting in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, lost, it will it easily can rejuvenate the iman and bring a person back. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant myself and all of us here steadfastness with the masjid, steadfastness with the dars of tafsir and any other durus that we are attending. And may he allow this place, this dars of ours to become a means of guidance, not for just this locality, but inshallah for thousands and millions of people across the globe. And this is what the niyyah we should make. That Ya Allah make this dars of ours a global dars. Let the, the nur from here spread in all four corners of the world. Amin al Alameen. So um, the next section, ayah number 9 through 27, is on uh, Surah Al-Ahzab. Um, And this is the story of Khandaq, the, the story of the Battle of Trench. And it's a, it's a long story, but I'm going to, inshallah, probably mention some, many of the details of it next week. Uh, today, I'm going to go over the translation of it, some basic tafsir of it, and then the various aspects of this battle, inshallah, we'll cover next week. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اذكروا نعمة الله عليكم إذ جاءتكم جنود فأرسلنا عليهم ريحا وجنودا لم تروها وكان الله بما تعملون بصيرا إذ جاءوكم من فوقكم ومن أسفل منكم وإذ زاغت الأبصار وبلغت القلوب الحناجر وتظنون وتظنون بالله الظنون هنالك ابتلي المؤمنون وزلزلوا زلزالا شديدا وإذ يقول المنافقون والذين في قلوبهم مرض ما وعدنا الله ورسوله إلا غرورا وإذ قالت طائفة منهم يا أهل يثرب لا مقام لكم فارجعوا فارجعوا ويستأذن فريق منهم النبي يقولون إن بيوتنا عورة وما هي بعورة إن يريدون إلا فرارا ولو دخلت عليهم من أقطارها ثم سئل الفتنة لآتوها وما تلبثوا بها إلا يسيرا ولقد كانوا عاهدوا الله من قبل لا يولون الأدبار وكان عهد الله مسؤولا 
قل لن ينفعكم الفرار إن فررتم من الموت أو القتل وإذا لا تمتعون إلا قليلا قل من ذا الذي يعصمكم من الله إن أراد بكم سوءا أو أراد بكم رحمة ولا يجدون لهم من دون الله وليا ولا نصيرا قد يعلم الله المعوقين منكم والقائلين لإخوانهم هلم إلينا ولا يأتون البأس إلا قليلا أشحة عليكم فإذا جاء الخوف رأيتهم ينظرون إليك تدور أعينهم كالذي يغشى عليه من الموت فإذا ذهب الخوف سلقوكم بألسنة حداد أشحة على الخير أولئك لم يؤمنوا فأحبط الله أعمالهم وكان ذلك على الله يسيرا This is half of the section actually from ayat verses 9 through 27 I read from 9 to 20 all the way to 27 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions and speaks about <coughs> the discussion of the incident of, of Ahzab of course the surah is named after this so no wonder so much uh, so many verses have been dedicated to this incident Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Ya amin, O those who believe remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's favors upon you when the forces of the disbelievers came upon you and we sent them upon we, they, the forces of evil came upon you and we sent upon them a wind and the forces of angels you do not see what I really love about this portion that I just read in, the, in this whole section is that the words are so simple and easy even a, a student of, of Arabic language who knows basic language I would say someone definitely who studied the one year <clears throat> should be able to understand majority of what's happening here because the words are not that difficult and it's also chronological order. It's a nice story. And it's very powerful story, subhanAllah. So inshallah, just by going through the translation, you'll see how much, you know, is, is obvious. <clears throat> Remember Allah's favor to you when the forces of disbelievers came upon you and we sent upon them a wind and the forces of angels you did not see. So forces of shirk came upon you and forces of wind and angels came upon them. Recall when they came upon you from above you and from below you. Meaning the disbelievers gathered together and attacked you from all directions. When the eyes were distracted, meaning you were so scared, you were not able to focus. Your eyes were moving from side to side. That's how worried you were. Your, your eyes were moving from side to side and the hearts reached the throats. This is a figure of speech. You know when you, start, when you get really scared, and all of a sudden you can he feel your heart beating so hard. And there's a f this same figure of speech is used in Urdu as well. Right? So that when the heart comes to the throat means it's beating so hard, it feels like it's been dislodged from its location and it's come up. That's how powerful it is. Out of the palpitations, the you know, high blood pressure, uh, just uh, anxiety, worry, whatever you want to call it. All those physiological things, emotional, psychological things, all put together, you were in extreme distress and worry. And you were thinking about Allah all sorts of thoughts. You were thinking about Allah all sorts of thoughts. At that occasion, the believers were put to a trial and were shaken with a violent shaking, with a violent convulsion. 
The believers were tested and they were shaken violently. And remember when the hypocrites and those having malady in their hearts were saying. Remember when the hypocrites and those who had sickness in their hearts, what were they saying? Allah and His Messenger did not promise us but deceitfully. The promises of Allah and His Messenger are false. They're liars. This is what the hypocrites and those who had disease in their heart mentioned. And when a group of these hypocrites said, O people of Yathrib, meaning O people of Medina, there is no place for you to stay here in this battle, so go back. And a group of them was seeking permission to leave back to their homes from the Prophet ﷺ saying, Indeed, our homes are very vulnerable. There's women there, there's children there, and we're not there to protect them. The Yahud are inside Medina, they can attack them. We need to go back home and take care of our wives and our kids. Indeed, a group of them was seeking permission to leave from the Prophet saying, in fact, our homes are vulnerable. While they were not vulnerable. Allah says they were not vulnerable. <clears throat> they were not vulnerable. They wanted nothing but to escape. All they wanted to do was escape from the battlefield. That's why they came up with this excuse that our women need us at home. Allah said, they don't need you. You need to be here. But you're using that as an excuse to get out. And if, if, it, if Medina were to be entered by the enemy in their presence, meaning if, you, if this group of hypocrites had not gone out in the expedition and were still sitting in Medina, in their homes, and Medina got attacked from all directions by, these, by disbelievers, from, if Medina were to be entered by the enemy in their presence from all its sides and they were asked to join the mischief, if the disbelievers were to say, hey, you're alone here, become a disbeliever with us. Or why don't you join us and we will internally attack the Muslims. Let's go kill all the women in their homes or let's go destroy Medina from inside while they are outside. You would have this group of people are such big sellouts that even if a little bit of intimidation were to be given to them, they would give up and they would move and flip and flip sides and they would join the other army of the disbelievers. They would, if they were asked to join the mischief, they would readily commit, commit to it and would not remain in their homes but for a short while. What does that mean? That you're saying you need, to, subhanAllah, there's so much to talk about here. You're saying you need to be at home. If, the, if disbelievers were to show up at your house and they were to start telling you, come join us and we'll give you money or we'll give you this, we'll give you that, you would have easily signed up to their ranks and you would have forgotten about your wife and your kids. This is just an excuse. And despite that they had already made a covenant with Allah that they would not turn their backs, they're going to do all of this. They're backstabbing Rasulullah. They're backstabbing the Sahaba and leaving them in the trenches as we figuratively say it was literally happening here. Literally standing up from the trenches and walking back to Medina and saying, ah, oh, we're not going to fight. Even though they had already made a commitment with Allah, Allah says, how dare you turn your backs to me after you made a commitment to me? And remember, a covenant with Allah has to be answered for. A covenant of, with Allah has to be answered for. This is not some random, you know, random person that you just saw in the street and you made a promise. You're like, oh, if I don't show up, no one's going to know about it. Type of thing. What is he going to do? No, this is dealing with Allah. You gave him your word, you better watch out.
say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says say to them flight will never be of any use to you you want to run away from Medina from the battlefield it's not going to be helpful if you flee from death or killing and even then you will not be let to enjoy life but for a little while how long are you going to run for how long are you going to hide for if you ran away from the battlefield thinking that you're going to get saved death must definitely come to you whether at home or in the battlefield don't think by running away from the battlefield you are saving yourself from death. It will definitely come at its appointed time. And you cannot escape that. Say, who is there to protect you from Allah if He intends evil to you? Or who is there to prevent Him if He intends mercy for you? And besides Allah, they will not find for themselves either a friend or a helper. Allah does know that the ones from amongst you who prevent others joining the battle and those who say to their brothers, come along with us and who do not come to the battle but for a little while. It's ajeeb why these ayats are also so you know, powerful is because as I read it, I'm not thinking about what happened 1500 years ago. I'm thinking about how this applies to my life and your life. And that's the whole purpose of the Quran. It's as though this, these ayats are so applicable to people within our own society. Allah says, Allah already knows who from amongst you, who, pre, who prevents others from joining the battle. You don't go yourself, but you hold back others also who want to do the work of deen. And then who those who say to their brothers, there's a call being made here to sacrifice. Go out in the path of Allah. But this group of people, they make a call on the other end. They say to their brothers, come along with us. Come along with us. Meaning, do not participate. And who do not come to the battle, but for a little while. They may show up just to get their name registered. As you say, haziri Just to get their name in the books that I was there. Alright? But they don't stay there for long term. That's part of the tactic. I was just, interesting. I just picked up a book today, subhanAllah. And I, I was reading some, some beautiful, interesting, you know, notes on the Qur'an. And one of the things they mentioned was that the hypocrites, based on the verse of one of the verses of the Qur'an, the deduction that the scholar was making is that when hypocrites sit in a serious gathering or a gathering of deen, they act serious. Right? When they sit in a gathering of seriousness or gathering of deen, they act serious and they act like they care because that's part of the cover that's part of the cover that you you cannot blow it off otherwise people will say hey what's wrong with this guy so they play along acting as they're genuinely interested in that lecture that talk that dini discussion think of yourself think of a, of, of a mole or a spy what would he do if, if you start talking about the dean you think he'll, he'll just start saying oh this makes no sense no if he's come from somewhere else He's going to act like the most interested. He'll be the one who's taking the most notes. Right? He'll be most interested. Because that's part of it. That's part of the ploy. SubhanAllah, this is, can be deducted from the Quran. That disbelievers and or munafiqun, hypocrites, they do show up to incidents, events, expeditions, sacrifices for the deen, wherever, volunteering things you've been asked to do, they'll be there. And they may even smile and act like they care. But they will not be interested long term. Their smile and their interest is fake. And then Allah says, 
and that too with a greed against you. Meaning when they do come in the gathering or in the expedition, the goal is not to serve being, but it's greed. What's a greed for? Spoils of war. Land. Spoils of war. If I sit and fight with these people for a little bit, maybe I'll walk away with something. What am I going to get? Now forget about the deen. What, what is in it for me? So with that jazbah, with that desire, they come. But when fear comes, you will see them looking towards you, rolling their eyes like the one who gets faint because of death. Then, one fear, then once fear is gone, they assail you with a sharp tongue in greed for the good. Meaning, as soon as the sword comes out of the enemy, you'll see these people be scared. Because they didn't come to fight. They have, they have no desire to fight. They are not willing to. They are just acting like they're part of the army for the spoils of war. But as soon as things start getting shifted and the real war starts, or you could say in our case, some real effort, physical labor is demanded, they slowly walk off. And as soon as that physical labor or, or, or opportunity to work leaves, they'll be the first one back in line to get from the spoils of war, to get from the, the money, the handout, the benefits of whatever effort that's taking place. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, these people do not accept faith in real terms. Therefore, Allah has nullified their acts. And all of this is easy for Allah. So this is the translation till ayah 19. So let's go over these, inshallah, verses. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first of all says, Ya illa the amruthkuru. Alright? O believers, remember the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Notice in ayah number 3, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَتَوَكَّلَ عَلَى اللَّهُ كَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا Put your reliance upon Allah and Allah will be Sufficient. So now there's a proof is in the pudding, right? They say, what's a proof that Allah will be sufficient if you put your reliance on Allah? Well, why don't we go back in history and think about the story of Ahzab and see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assisted the Sahaba in Badr and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assisted the Sahaba in Khandaq. The Prophet sallallahu eventually, if initially he won the fight against disbelievers of Makkah in Badr, and then against the Yahud in Banu Nadir, in the incident of Banu Nadir and Banu Qinuqa. And now the Yahud, who had already suffered losses, along with the Mushrikeen of Makkah, they gathered together and said, now let's attack the Muslims. So this was not one battle with one enemy. Rather, this was against a coalition. Ahzab means coalition, alliances. There were alliances of the Yahud and the Mushrikun. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's saying, remember the blessing of Allah. Alright? What is ni'mah? Alright? Is that when this blessing, when this thing comes into our life, a person's life becomes enjoyable. A person desires this blessing, to, this thing to remain consistent because his life has improved. This blessing could be the blessing related to the worldly life or this blessing could be related to the hereafter. And the biggest blessing we have, of course, is knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has our back. That's the main thing. How do they say, backed by 
the best warranty in America, backed by the best insurance company, backed by the best, you know, engineering of so, such and such, you know, accomplished company. When you see a backing, a made in a China versus a made in Japan, or a made in a USA or a made in a Germany, it's all, these are all the backing. You know, bumper to bumper, 30,000 mile warranty, fulan, fulan. That's what the backing. When a person knows that I have, from hayat till mamat, from beginning till the end, I have Allah's backing, and Allah is not going to let me down. And Allah never did, never would let me down. And you have that trust, then you lead a very relaxed life. Because you know everything's under control. But the one who doesn't have this conviction and is afraid that he will be let down and, and people, will, people will, will harm him, then it won't work. We made dua for him, right? Last week, I think so, didn't we? Or maybe it was after that. Subhanallah. Mulana Taha is one of the most senior ulama of Shafi'i ulama um, in the world and one of the great ulama who is um, who, who, who I've never met someone within the English speaking world who knows the Shia books better than the Shias and I've attended his I've heard his debates and it's, it's out of the world out of this world right he was he will just tell he has a you know when he in the debate brings he used to do this before bring his students in the middle of the debate say okay bring my box so they bring a treasure chest like a big chest you know like 10 10 by two, 10 by 4 maybe bladen with shia books he said keep it here and then in the debate when he starts he just, all he just quotes fulan book this page number this text because the key, key thing is if you want to choose if you want to prove that the ithna ashari aqaid are, are, are absolutely un-islamic they'll say no where are you coming from because the one very fundamental principle is taqiyya um, that where a person hides their true identity right? that's a very re rewarding part of their faith that not speak and acknowledge the differences that exist and kind of quietly get along so he, would have, he, was, he was having a debate with one of the senior Shia scholars and, and to hearing that was just mesmerizing that man, none of us know our own books even half as well as how he knows their books and page number this and that and subhanAllah, khalas, no one can see anything he said, well if you, if you uh, because he would say like for example we believe Abu Bakr we believe in him too no you don't well, no, who said that? I said, okay, so it's such and such scholar and such and such, such page said that okay so before we go further, just please say that he's a kafir. Say this scholar who said Abu Bakr anhu about this. Say you disown him. All right, if you're not going to disown him, case closed. Right, so that's exactly, you know, he'd be doing this. Subhanallah. So um, he, 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 he's done an amazing service in so many different ways. I requested him actually to teach Sahih al-Bukhari from, from there to our students. And then to also head our Shafi'i Fiqh department. They we're starting up a specialization in Shafi Fiqh, inshallah, in the next month and a half. Alhamdulillah, one of the only ones probably in the entire country. So, uh, I'm just saying, we really, really love him, look up to him, subhanAllah. But he, he lost his brother to COVID. And uh, then, right now, he, uh, he, he had got COVID last week, and he was on the ventilator, you know, a few days ago. But Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, through everyone's du'as, Alhamdulillah, today I got the news that he's off of the ventilator. And I just please continue to pray with him. Pray for him, he's very young. He's only like... You know, 55, probably 52 or something like that. But it's mountains of knowledge. Well, I took our, just to tell you brothers, what I mean. 
you know, we took our graduating students two years ago to South Africa for an eight-day journey, along with Turkey and Umrah. I think I spoke about it in detail over here from the member when we came back from that trip, memorable trip. But the very first stop we went, we went from uh, Turkey, Chicago, Turkey, Turkey to Cape Town. And we were in Cape Town for less than a day. And the only, only, only reason we went to Cape Town was to go visit him. We did not go sightseeing. We didn't go anything else. We went straight from the, there. We, we figured out where he would meet us. And Alhamdulillah, he came. We were staying at someone's house. He came at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. He just, I texted him. I said, Hazrat, where do we, we came all the way from America to see you. Let us know where to come. He said, no, I'll come to you all. We're staying in someone's house. So he came at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. He just walked in. He said, you guys are ready? <laughs> of course, we, mashallah, this is what we came for. This is the epic moment why we came here. Came, he was, grabbed him a chair, he sat down. 10 o'clock or 9.30, he started speaking. And I promise you, he would not stop till 3.30 p.m. And we can barely keep up with notes. No one can keep. It was just, just flowing, flowing rivers of knowledge. And any topic. For six hours straight, the man, the man spoke. Right? And then I had to tell him, I said, we have to pray Dhuhr, we have to eat lunch, and we have to catch our flight to Durban. We really need it. SubhanAllah, so he said, oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, quickly, let's, let's quickly eat. We prayed our Turaqa Dhuhr, and then I sat with him in the car, in, and the students were also in another car. We went to the Cape Town airport. All the way till I stepped out of the car, MashaAllah, he was giving me advice. While driving, giving advice on how to run the academic programs and various things I was asking him, mashallah for, mashallah, tabarakah ta'ala. We barely made the flight, barely, barely made the flight. But till the last moment, he gave us. So a man of that stature, imagine that we went all the way there specifically to go meet, visit him. Maybe you never heard of his name. So I'm sharing this so you, know, so you can make extra dua for his health. Right? Don't just say, okay, it's one of those other people who's sick. No, he, the ummah needs him. These are very, 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 very hard to find specialists like this. He's an economist, he's, a, he's an expert in finance, he's an expert in, uh, in, in of course, uh, dini issues, but along with that, in dunyawi issues too. He's extremely well-versed well in so many different fields, subhanAllah. He runs a madrasa in Cape Town. Mawlana Abdurrahman Yaqub, who's one of our main you know, teachers, he heads a research department, studied with him for six, seven years in Cape Town. He's a graduate from him, from his madrasa. So, why did I mention all of this? Number one, please make dua for him. And let's, let's say, I mean, Nasallah al-Azim, Rabbil Ashil al-Azim ishfiyahu. 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 La ba'as tuhur, insha'Allah. Athib al-Wa'as rabbal nas, la shifa'a illa shifa'a ukshifa'a la yugadiru saqama. Ameen. The reason is that he took the vaccine. And people in South Africa, there's a lot of people like the certain individuals in America also who are very doubtful about the vaccine and are, don't take it. So this is a very, you know, touchy topic, right? We all know about that. In our families, we have people and we have in the community of people and it's, it's, a, it's a very touchy topic, which I usually don't like to address, uh, touch about it. So Mulana Taha is one of those people, as an alim, he's giving the fatwa and by his actions, he's trying to promote vaccination within his country. And he got the, he got the vaccine and uh, I think he just got the first dose and then after that he, he fell ill. I don't know the exact thing, but this is something that he shared right from his hospital bed. I want you to listen to this. He said, last night, this is last before he went into ventilator. He said, last night my ambulance attendant, Yusuf asked me if I would take the vaccination. I told him that once you already have COVID, you cannot receive the vaccination for the next three months. Okay. He then asked, but if you could, would you? 
I said, most certainly yes. So I'm sorry, I misunderstood it. He, hadn't, he had not taken it. I guess it was not available. Okay, so this made me think how much uncertainty there is still out there and hence how much more need for reassurance is required. I am not a doctor and I won't give a doctor's medical answer. Neither am I going to give a long-winded theological argument, meaning about the permissibility or the, good, you know, the goodness of taking a vaccine. All I will say is this. Suspicions of vaccines is induced by fear of sinister actors with agendas of world manipulation and domination. Suspicion of vaccines is induced by fear of sinister actors, sinister individuals with agendas of world manipulation and domination. He says, I reject that fear, peaceful and secure in the knowledge that my Rabb has given more than adequate guarantee that he will not let any such manipulation come to fruition ever. He said, I reject that fear, peaceful and secure in the knowledge that my Rabb has given more than adequate guarantee that he will not let any such manipulation come to fruition ever. And then in highlighted, please take the vaccine. It is not only the responsible thing to do for yourself and your community, it is also the choice that demonstrates your trust in the promise of Allah. SubhanAllah, he had a completely different take on it. People think that this is taking it shows that you have no trust in Allah. He's saying taking is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, the Rasul said, whenever there's a sickness revealed, there is a cure for it. And to, for us to think that the whole world has been manipulated through the vaccine, through the, through the, uh, the, the COVID and then the vaccine is the, you know, the nail in the coffin to make all of us zombies controlled by some world power means that you don't have the trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would seriously take care of the ummah. That Allah will allow all the masses and all the good people to fall into this crazy, you know, domination. Mind being, mind being manipulated and dominated by others. And for those brothers who are, yani, who also still doubt this, all this business, um, one thing I understand is the biggest fitna. People say, if I take the vaccine, this is, uh, is going to be, you know, uh, I'm going to fall into deception. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm, I might fall into some world powers um, control. I'm saying, brother, whether you take the vaccine or not, the ummah has already fallen into some huge fitna. And that is because of the vaccine, I don't need to come to the masjid. I'm sorry, because of COVID, I don't need to come to the masjid. Because of COVID, I don't need to pray salah in the masjid. Because of COVID, the note, khutbah should be 10 minutes long. Abibi, I'm going to give khutbah in one of the most famous masjids of America this week. And I'm looking at the timings. I got 15 minutes. <laughs> like, why? Why are you giving 15 minutes? Because same thing, if I stay 16 minutes, there's a chance of we're going to get COVID. Right? That's the reality. We talked about this. Masjid al-Nabwi this year. And Masjid al-Haram. Tarawih for 10, 10 rakah instead of 20. First time in centuries. Tarawih was 10 rakah. And the speed of the Tarawih was like on times two. Like I had to check my phone. Hold on. Maybe I increased the speed on the channel here. What's going on? That's how fast he's reading. Okay. So that's fitna. We already forget the vaccine. You don't even need to take the vaccine. Already the ummah has fallen into this massive deception of fitna. That this thing is such a monster. That now and never I can come to the masjid, never can we open up the doors and have a proper khutbah, 30 minute talk, whatnot. We cannot have a Friday night program, Saturday night program. All these things cannot happen because, because of this. So that's my take on it. You don't have to agree on it. But this is something that subhanAllah Mawlana Taha shared. And why I remembered, Allah made me remember it, subhanAllah, so we can make dua for him. Also, but the aspect of, of what? Trusting in Allah. Okay, bye. Manna, if you're going to die, Allah will make you die from the, you know, stepping out of the door from the masjid. That's what's going to happen. You, you don't, Allah doesn't need to send a vaccine to kill you. or to Allah, You can die anyhow. 
So we have some trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many people have come to say, can we have an imam's declaration that according to the masjid, according to the Islam, we're not allowed to take the vaccine. I've got two requests this past week from people, not from this community, from the different places. And I said, I'll rather, I'll forward to you the Darussalam fatwa and the permissibility of taking the vaccine. Why are you, if you don't want to take it, don't take it, take it, don't take it on your own, you know, um, your own accord, whatever. But don't use Islam for this, please. Do not use Islam as a reason for a person to say that. And again, I know this is a very hotly contested issue. So no one's here to force anyone to do anything. You do it, do as you like. Um, but this is what, where I'm coming from, from uh, my, my colleagues, majority of the ulama, almost all the staff of the ulama here from the island course. I, that's why I told some of the madrasa students who didn't take it. Yet, I told them, what's the point of living life when we're all going to die? When we die in the next five months after taking the vaccine, you're all going to be a living. What you going to do without your dead, with, with your dead teachers? You might as well die with us, khalas. Take the vaccine and we die together. Because that's what you're all thinking, right? Or second, we're going to become computer controlled. You also join us being computer controlled. But what you're, all your, your ulama are taking it. And you're all thinking that, no, subhanAllah, we're going to be one step ahead of our teachers and not take it. This is ajib stuff, which I don't understand. So those who are our students, this is a message to them. Those who are not a students, of course, I can't tell you anything. But those who have students, you trust, us, you trust us in a million more important things than the vaccine. We give you the deen. Your, understanding, your whole understanding of Quran and Hadith is coming from your asatida. So if you can trust them on that, just trust them on this as well. Like Abu Bakr Siddiq, when he, when he was told about Mi'raj, and he said, you're going to believe him? He said, why not? The kuffar wanted to shake up Abu Bakr al-Lahu's deen, right? And they came and told him, did you hear what your, sah what your sahibukum, what your companion is saying? He said, what is he saying? Overnight he went, to, he went to Aqsa And after they went to the heavens Come on And he said he said that If he said that Yeah then he did that And they're like How could you believe this So well he tells me Every day an angel comes with news from the heavens He's receiving revelation I believe that And that is even more difficult to believe Than what you're saying So if I believe him in that Why can't I believe him That he went overnight to Mi'raj in Isra That since then he was known as Siddiq The one who fully trusts And believes the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so this is the ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us that we, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken responsibility that the entire ummah will never be misguided together. This is, this is what it is. The entire ummah, 100%, every single person in the masjid is a fasiq, fajir, disbeliever, confused except for me. That's not going to happen. And to also think that all of them are going to be destroyed through an adab, that's not going to happen. That happened in previous nations. These are guarantees that Allah has given to the Prophet ﷺ that this ummah will be taken care of. So, uh, with the atikaf coming, with another issue. Again, you saw this 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 um, uh, uh, this Friday we have separated, and now also the vaccinated section, non-vaccinated section of the masjid. Some brothers have, you know, shared concerns, have shared anonymous emails. Brother, you don't need to say anonymous email. Whoever you are. There's nothing, subhanAllah, you'd make the effort of writing one, two, three, four, five, six at gmail.com. There's no reason for that. We, we, no one's going to bite you. This is an open masjid, open place. We can have a very serious, you know, nice discussion with confidence. No one's going to make you feel like you're a fool. No one's going to make you feel awkward, out of place. And I want to speak to the insecurities of those individuals who write these feedback anonymously, which makes me upset. Like, this, what, what are we doing over here? Why, why do we have an environment in the masjid? Where people have to go to this extent to go, you know, subhanAllah, write fake emails, fake names, fake phone numbers to send some feedback. Seriously. There's a suggestion box and I'm, I, if you think I'm not approachable, come and tell me that. Any of you. Do you think I'm not approachable? I'll change. I don't know what, I, what else I need to do to make myself more approachable. 
So this place is always, has to be. We want to create an environment here. By anything you want to share, you can definitely come and speak to one of us and say this. Whether that opinion is immediately in, enacted or not is a different issue. We'll present it to Mashura and we'll have our Mashura and we'll discuss what, what do you do about this. But we all want all of you to feel that this is definitely your institution, your masjid. If you have anything that you want to share about any issue, please do not hide behind anonymous emails or even an anonymous thing. Just come openly, come and say whatever you need to say. And inshallah, this is my guarantee to you that you will never feel like, okay, you're being violated and your opinion is not being taken seriously, etc., etc. So the one question is like, why is there a difference between this, you know? And there's no Sharia perspective, right or wrong. There's so many, every masjid around the area will have a different way of dealing it. Okay, so you pray, pray wherever, whatever you're comfortable with. But one thing I want to say is that Umrah and Hajj, if Allah opens up the doors for Hajj, it's same thing, 100% without vaccination, you're not going to be go for Hajj and you're not going for Umrah. So people may say, how come the masjid is saying that front rows are for people who are vaccinated, stand next to each other, the back is not, is this, is this discrimination? Well, that is just the name of the, you know, the new game. That's just how it's going to be. Uh, I don't like it, yeah, but that's just the new world order. That's the new, <laughs> the, seriously, post-COVID is a new term. We will all win. This is never going to go away. When you're a grandfather or a great-grandfather, you're going to be telling your kids, oh, brother, you know, I was born pre-COVID, like pre-depression or whatever. Like that's how it is, pre-World War II. COVID will definitely remain forever in, in my, um, at least, expectation. Maybe I hope I'm wrong, but it seems to me that forever this will remain a, 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 a huge event in history that will make the previous life and the afterlife of it two different things. So let's have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And... Some brothers told me, I vaccinated, I'm getting all these messages from people who are against it. Every day they send me a message. What should I do? I told them, what should you do? Nothing. No, but I tried to convince them. I said, don't convince them. That's not your responsibility. If you explain once and they don't understand, it's okay. This is not the end of the world. If they don't understand, then please stop also wasting your energy trying to convince people. But they keep on sending me stuff. I said, then just block the spam. If you don't want to, that's for anything. Any type of fitna. The fitna of the effort of da'wah and tabligh, we have people from, this is what I do, block people. Anyone who speaks about this group or that group, says, I, don't, I have no time to hear this. This is not what Allah sent us in the world. For you to, to slander someone, to speak evil about someone. No matter what you think, you should never ever use your time and your energy and your tongue to slander or speak ill about anyone, especially ulama, especially scholars, especially workers of deen. So whenever it comes, even on this issue, I, I, I encourage my beloved brothers to please don't waste your resources and energy in arguing with people either way. Whatever position they hold, they're not going to more than likely change. So just let it go and, and move forward. There's many more important things that we need to focus on. So here we are speaking about the ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us. And this ni'mah is in dunya and in akhirah. And the greatest ni'mah is to know that Allah is with us. That aspect, وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا But Allah to hai. Hasbunallahu ni'mal wakeel. Allah is with us. My dear brothers, أُذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ Allah. Allah says, remember, make dhikr. Dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's favor upon you. Dhikr is an ibadah. Just speak, like right now in the dars, we're speaking about Allah's blessings. That's an ibadah. You're listening to Allah's blessings. That's an ibadah. Dhikr is an ibadah without mashaqqah. It doesn't cost you money. You don't have to sweat for it. You don't have to travel for it. You don't have to walk. You don't have to do anything. It's just like, like that you just sit back 
And in your mind, you are thinking of how beautiful Allah is and how His blessings are so beautiful. Just sitting there eating your burger, thinking about, man, this, this tastes amazing, right? <laughs> this, is, this is actually, subhanAllah, ibadah. Kate kate. While you're, you're, while you're enjoying your meal, you're getting ibadah. So this is why Allah Jalla Jalalhu speaks about dhikr so much in the Quran. Allah says, وَلَا ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ The dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest thing that you can do. My beloved brothers and sisters, let us ensure that we do not remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only in the masjid or during salah. Instead, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time. That is what the Quran says. فَإِذَا قُضِيَتِ الصَّلَاةِ When the Salat al-Jum'ah is completed, فَانْتَشِرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ Spread around the earth. وَابْتَغُوا مِنْ فَضْلِ اللَّهِ And go search for Allah's grace. What does Allah's grace mean? Rizq, food, money, sustenance. وَذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا And remember Allah abundantly. This is on your journey back from Jum'ah. People think, I'm going to do ibadah in the masjid. Allah is saying, no, ibadah is not just in the masjid. On your way back home or back to work, make sure you're doing dhikr. Because dhikr is not supposed to be restricted to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <clears throat> Next, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, What exactly is the ni'mah I'm speaking about that I want you to remember? He says, Armies came upon you. And what were the army? The army of shirk. The, the, the Yahud as well as the kuffar of Makkah all gathered together. And they came from beneath you. Meaning the Yahud came from the, from the back and the Mushrikeens came from the front. Because when I say from the back, because they were right in Medina. So they were able to attack from the back. And the Mushrikeen came from, from Makkah, from outside. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They sent an army upon you and we sent an army upon them. Powerful. He says, I sent an army upon them, junudan, lam tarawha, an army that you could not see. Very important point. The nusra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not require asbab. Key thing to understand. Nusra of Allah does not require asbab. So important. Allah works with means, without means, against means. And when you trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like that, you'll say, but it, the, the, you know, the, 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 the five o'clock appointment closes. What am I supposed to do? When Allah wants to assist you, what will happen? That's the one day that the clock will stop working. That's the one day that the guy who's supposed to go home, he'll has, his car will break down and he'll be stuck there in the office. That will be the one day that he will get caught up and not realize that the time is up. When Allah wants to get your work done, He will make people stop thinking. He will make clocks stop working. He will make machines break down. He will bring the whole world to your feet. The whole system will go backwards in order to get your visa, in order to get your appointment, in order to get your money, you know, whatever you need to get. When Allah wants to help you, just remember that. We should never think, brother, there's one minute left. How is this going to happen? Brother, she is so against me. How is this going to happen? The worst enemy, the person who hates me is not the one who has the authority to sign or not sign my paper. What am I supposed to do? This is the thing. If you're working with anyone besides Allah, then you're in trouble. Because true, no one has control over this individual behind the, behind the screen, behind the desk. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Malikul mulk. Quluba bani adam bayna yuqallibuhu bayna, inna quluba bani adam bayna min asabi'ir rahman yuqallibuhu 
Indeed, the hearts of the children of Adam are between the two fingers of Allah. He may change them in any direction that He wishes. That's yaqeen you and I have to have. Do not, do not become perplexed over what you see in front of you. Say, Allah Malik, Allah will take care of us. That needs to come. Now, ahwal, my beloved brothers, ahwal from conditions come from Allah. Allah says about Badr, Allah assisted you, O Sahaba, in Badr while you were so insignificant and weak. Allah wanted the Sahaba in Badr to feel like, oh, what's gonna happen? We're 313, and there's thousands over there, thousands over there, fully armed. We got barely anything. We're taking turns. 10, 15 people taking turns to ride one camel. How are we gonna ever win this? What's the point of this? What's the point of this? Allah says, I wanted to prove to you that numbers don't give you success. You are so few in number, but I granted you such success that the world will always remember. Yawmul Furqan. Allah called that the day of, of the criterion, where the haq and the truth over, overpowered falsehood. Yeah? Then Allah, go back, go future in history, six, eight, seven years later, six years later. وَلَقَدْ نَصَرْكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَوَاطِنَ كَثِيرَةٍ وَيَوْمَ حُنَيْنٍ إِذْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ كَثْرَتُكُمْ The day of Hunayn came. And the Sahaba, Fatah Makkah took place. MashaAllah, we're relaxed. Makkah came into our hands. What else do you want? Nabi Sallallahu came back as a victor. Sahaba came back as a victor. 10,000 Sahaba moving in into Makkah or more. Everything's set. Now Hunayn comes. We're like, this piece of cake. We've done Badr. We've done other things. Come on, now we got Makkah under our control. And now we won battles when we were 313. Now we're how much? 12,000. And so they began to say, I mean, we got numbers, man. What do you want? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I assisted you in Hunayn when you were losing the battle horribly. Because what happened to you? A'jabatkum kathratukum. Your numbers made you very proud and happy. Falam tughni ankum shay'a. Those numbers didn't help you in the least. And you got, you know, seriously whipped and so many died that the Sahaba started running. Some of the Sahaba said, we can't handle it because the, 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 the disbelievers were sitting in forts and they were awesome archers and they were literally making the Sahaba into qima. You know, mince meat. They were just cleansing them nonstop. They, they could not go forward to the fort. The archers were just destroying them and hundreds of them died. And so they wanted to leave. They said, we can't handle this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you became too content with your numbers. And your numbers didn't help you the least. And the earth as expansive as it was. Because now, you're not hiding in Darul Arqam. You're not hiding in just Medina. Guess what? You got Makkah under your whole control. And all the tribes of the Arabs are like, okay, hats off. The Muslims are now the rulers of the Kaaba. We better respect them. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I brought such situation upon you. Daqat means the earth became so constrained that you didn't have a place to run or to hide. In Badr you had nothing, but I made the open land vast for you. It's as though you owned the place. And Hunayn, seven years later, when you have conquered so much land and so many Muslims, your numbers are there, but it, it takes one second for me to change the condition of the heart. Subhanallah. I, I, I find this to be one of the most important lessons of the seerah that you and I need to reflect on as an ummah, as well as individually. Reflect upon the incident of Badr, and reflect upon the incident of Uhud, and reflect upon the incident of Ahzab, and reflect upon the incident of Khandaq, of, of Hunayn. How Allah's Nusra did come, but things happened differently. Some places Allah's Nusra came immediately, thousands of angels descended. Think about it. 
That 5,000 that was waiting as reinforcements and 3,000 came in Badr. Why, why didn't they just show up in Hunain in, in one teeny tiny inch of one a small angel's one wing of his hundreds of wings could knock out that fort. Allah just did it. A few years back, he sent 3,000 down with not even just one glance of one angel, one trumpet blowing of one angel. Wallahi is sufficient to kill everyone in that battlefield. Why would Allah need to send 3,000 and to say 5,000 are waiting to descend? It's just a shock and awe to just let people know, hey, this is how we're going to... When, when you push the buttons, when the Muslims do the right things and they, they really, really show, to, show me that they want help, boy, I can destroy anything. Because at the end of the day, you're all Allah's, under Allah's qudra. So Allah subhanahu wa showed that when you press the right buttons and you make the proper dua and you have the proper trust and Allah wants to show, wants to show that He's on your side, He will show like no other. That same Allah chose to withhold that help in Uhud. And 70 Sahaba became shaheed. And 70 Sahaba became prisoners of war. Because there was this, a small level of misunderstanding slash disobedience of the Prophet Which Allah said, I'm not going to have it. You're going to suffer. No matter how pure your intentions may be. How did you end up coming down from the mountain when he told you not to move? But we thought the battle was over. Who cares what you thought? Did he tell you not to move? When he told you not to move, you don't move no matter what happens. But we thought the battle is over. I'm trying to explain this. How many millions and thousands of mistakes we make like this every single day against the Quran and Sunnah. We say, but we thought like that. We thought this is makru only. We thought this is only haram. Or we thought this only is this, that. Every day we say this. We thought it's only Sunnah. Astaghfirullah. We thought it was only Sunnah. Can you imagine? The 70 Sahaba died and 70 Sahaba became prisoners of war because they did not fully enforce one command of the Prophet How dare we say it's only Sunnah? What is that going to do to your battle? Did you think about what I just said? What is that going to do to your battle against shaitan and nafs? What's that going to do to your battle against your enemies? What's that going to do to my battle against my enemies if I say it's just a Sunnah? said something beautiful, he would say, the Sahaba were such that they would do what they did because it was a Sunnah. And we leave out what we leave out because it's a Sunnah. They did what they did because it was a Sunnah, while we leave out what we leave out because of a Sunnah. What's the difference between us? What a great difference between Sahaba and us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent, sent upon the Sahaba these type of various types of these type of various ahwal conditions. And this is what I want to come through. Um, what, I want to come to, what I want to focus here is that conditions come from Allah for a specific reason. They're meant to make you strong. They're meant to make you increase in your trust upon Allah. The conditions may be of loss of, loss of wealth, loss of family, uh, difficulties, etc. But behind that, is still love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When, uh, when a person goes through some any type of martial arts training, self-defense training, or anything else, or even basketball camp, is it easy? Of course not. There's so much pain, and there's so much effort and sweating. But the coach that is pushing you to do that, you're actually paying him money and signing up for that class. You want to go through that pain. You may end up actually crying when you get hurt your ligaments or your tendons or your bone, etc. You, you know that this is going to happen. But we, we are willing to do that knowing that behind this taklif and behind this musibah, there's a huge gift I'm receiving that I'm going to be better at my sport or I'm going to be get better at my you know, martial art, etc. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends ahwal upon the ummah for the same reason. You have to, you have two ways. One is accept it. Ya Allah, whatever you send on me, I'll take it. I ask you to be easy on me. But if you send it upon me, I'm not going to complain against you. I'm going to suck it up and say, if this is what my Allah wants, khair, I will do sabr. That's, our, that's a certain group of people. And when they do that sabr, instantaneously they exponentially grow in their relationship with Allah. And the other hand is a group that says, why me? Why now? This is not fair. This doesn't make sense. And that disobedience, disregard, disrespect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pushes a person completely away. And this next weekend's retreat, this is the theme. Embracing adversity. Understanding difficulty through the lens of faith. That's exactly what we're speaking about. Because every single one of us is going through difficulty. We have gone, we are going, and we will go through in the future. The key point is how to make that overall positive experience for you. Even though initially it may be a negative experience, but how to make that adversity positive for you. Net gain instead of net loss. That deen will teach us. And that's exactly what the retreat is about. All the scholars, alhamdulillah, who are coming, will be addressing this topic from various different aspects of it. MashaAllah, it's an amazing lineup of, of topics. Amazing lineup of speakers as well. We hope Allah subhanahu wa allows all of us to benefit, allow our families to benefit. And may He make it a means of strengthening our, our iman, inshaAllah. So here we understand how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought down the army in Ahzab. But it did not come just like that. It took a, almost weeks before this army came, as we'll hopefully cover next week. The help of Allah does not come immediately. Take it. These are the important things I'm trying to address here. Allah puts you through different, different conditions to make you stronger. You don't know what the condition, what's the reason for that. Just remain patient. And the Nusrat of Allah is coming. The Nusrat of Allah is coming, but a person needs to reach a threshold. Our ulama explained this, that like a thermostat, if it's set at 70 degrees, the AC will kick in when it's 74. So if it is very, very hot, but it's only 73 by the thermostat, the AC will not kick in. It has to reach exactly 74, and for the reading to say click, as soon as it's 74, then it will send the signal to the AC and it will start running. Yeah? Every day we see this. So no matter if you're sweating, but if it's set at 73, the AC will not kick in. Similarly, Allah has set a set standard for His help to descend. No matter how much blood is lost, no matter how many lives are lost, no matter how many problems people go through, and no matter how much dua is made, how much fasting is done, how much dhikr is done, until we don't reach the threshold that Allah has set for us, for the nusrah to come, it will not come. So when someone says, but I fasted Mondays and Thursdays, what? Nothing happened. I read one Khatm Quran, nothing happened. What's the other option? Stop reading? That's going to bring the help of Allah? Keep it up. Continue to do so. Continue to fast. Continue to give sadaqah. Continue to pray two rakat salat al-hajjah every day. That means the fact that Allah's help didn't show up to you right now, apparently, is because we still haven't reached the threshold. So there's a threshold that Allah has for the entire ummah. That is why when we say, dear students, dear community members, let us use various incidents that are taking place within our community, be it the removal of COVID, du'as that we're making, be it this upcoming retreat, etc. What do we tell everyone? It's a please do amal. Please fast on Mondays and Thursdays. And I ask all of us, inshallah, please just make niyyah next week, inshallah, to fast on Monday and Thursday. Okay? With this niyyah, ya Allah, make this retreat of ours that we are hosting as a community a means of hidayah of my family. Hidayah, my kids, my spouse, my parents. And then a hidayah for the thousands that will come. You fast with that niyyah. 
and pray two rakat salat al-hajah for the remaining 10 days. Just two rakat every day. Allah will give you a share. I visited one senior elder of our community. 90th birthday he just had. MashaAllah. I went to go visit him last week. And he can't come out of the bed. He's lying there. But he was very hopeful. He was very uh, just excited about the work that's happening here and this and that. He was very happy. MashaAllah. So I told him, uncle, you know, you don't, you don't have to come and do much work. You're 90 years old. You're in bed. But you simply making dua on your bed for the work that the ulama are doing across the globe and the work that all Islamic schools, masjids, madrasas are doing. Just by making dua, bete bete, while you're sitting on your bed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should say, lete lete. While you're lying in your bed, Allah will give you the full reward of every single institution that you're making dua for. That's it. Whose opinion is this? Or who said this? Shaykh Abdullah Hassan Ali al-Nadawi rahimahullah said this. He said that if people were to make dua for the ulama of their time and for their acceptance and for their efforts, Allah will give you the share of all the efforts of those ulama. That's all you gotta do, my dear friends. All you gotta do is raise your hand. Ya Allah, jitni bi dini khidmatein hain. Ya Allah, all the dini efforts, all the dini jamaats, all the masajid, all the Islamic institutions, all the madrasas in the world, all the publishing houses, all the Muslim-run websites, and all the Muslim humanitarian organizations, anyone that is trying to do the work according to the sunnah of the Prophet Ya Allah, please grant them ikhlas. Ya Allah, accept it from them. Provide for them all the resources they need. Allah, protect them from, from evil. Protect them from infighting. Protect them from hasad and nadar, evil ploys of shaitan. Amin, Rabbil Alameen. Which I was making a dua right now, by the way. So this dua that you just, that you just shared with me, or heard we, this is a dua, it's a very general dua. And Allah will give you the reward of everything that, these, that you made dua for. That's it. so simple. Every day make this dua. And include your, the Darul Salaam in your dua. So you don't know the programs that are happening here. You might have no idea what's happening in the retreat. I don't blame you. There's so much going on. But you can still say, Ya Allah, whatever's happening the next weekend, Ya Allah, make anyone in any way, shape or form who is heard, who sees a flyer, who gets connected to it, who listens online, Ya Allah, allow their life to completely change towards you. Allow them to completely give up their sin. Allow them to complete. That dua that you're making for all these attendees and for the, all these volunteers and all these donors to this program, Alhamdulillah, you might be traveling overseas at the next weekend. You might only be able to listen online. But by Allah, you will get the full reward of everything that's happening. So what's a, what's a great thing to do? Dua. So the threshold Allah has kept for dua and dhikr, we don't know what the threshold is. Once we reach that threshold, bam, 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 everything will start falling. Whatever you got to do, you have to ask Allah. You have to push your application form to make sure it gets accepted. Once you get a stamp of approval from Allah, then you got nothing to worry about. Everything gets taken care of. You know when you want to get something approved by the company, this a journey, a trip of yours. You want to get approved, approved for a travel expense on, the, on account of the business or the company. You got to get the approval. Once the approval is done, they say you can also eat wherever you want. You can sleep wherever you want in any hotel. You can get a rent-a-car of whatever you want. Everything the company will pay for. But the approval is the main thing. Without that approval, nothing is going to get covered. Yeah? Even your Uber to the airport won't get covered. So what we need to do as an ummah, for our affairs is get our needs and our issues and our affairs accepted by Allah. Our vision, our mission, what we want to do, get it accepted by Allah. And once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts that, then everything will fall into place like pieces of a Lego or a jigsaw puzzle. Does that make sense? So let, what, where do we, we, I, we request everyone here is listening to me. Incre and I encourage myself to increase your dua for the ummah. Hajj is coming. Let's all collectively make dua. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, please open the doors for the Hajjaj to go. 
Right? Ya Allah, please allow the governments who have control of this to get hidayah, to have some sense, to guide them, remove the insinuations of shaitan from them, so that they can open up the quota to be able to receive it. You know, people not just from America, where Allah forgive us, we may be the lowest quality hajj, hajjis. You know, the spoiled hajjis. Those from the poorest countries, you know, subhanAllah, who sell their cow to come for hajj. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open up the doors of these mukhlis hajjis who will be able to go and then beg at the Kaaba and get our needs of the ummah fulfilled. We have to ask Allah, even if you're not going for Hajj this year, make dua, ya Allah, open up the doors for, for Hajj. We're supposed to be announced. This week it didn't get announced. Let's hope by next week, inshallah, they come with a favorable announcement you know, regarding this. So, means an army that you didn't see. What is that army today that you, you don't see that Allah can send? Changing of hearts. Got it? Technology falling apart. Uh, things happening in, in the one who's trying to mess around with you, just things happening completely that bewilder you. How did that happen? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well aware of what you are doing. Meaning, He knows the condition of the heart. Are you scared or are you trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Are you able to trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or not? Yalla dekhraib. Nabi Sallallahu said in hadith, Allah says, ma min makhluqin ya'tasimu bi min duni khalqi. There isn't a single creation of mine that seeks help from me, holds on to me instead of holding on to the creation, and that I recognize his trust in me through his niya. Then the entire heavens and the earth and the dwellers of the heavens and the earth plot against him. But I will ensure that I will get an exit for him out of his mess. Sare zameen wale, asman wale, sare milkar iske khilaf saazish kare. Lekin ye banda, makhluk ki taraf uski nigah uhti nahi. Sif or sif meri ik taraf nigah uski uhti hai. He only looks at me and trusts only me. And I know that a'rifu thalika min niyati. I recognize that from his niya. I will ensure, I will get him out of the worst possible mess he may find himself in. Right? That's the barakah of tawakkul. That's a barakah of trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On the other hand, Whichever creation of mine holds on to the help of another creation instead of holding on to me. And I recognize that from his niyyah, I will make the earth open up under his feet. He'll fall in. And I will make the means coming from the heavens fall apart in front of him. Basically, all his planning will fall apart. And he will say, what happened? How did this, how did everything fall apart? Allah knows the niyyah. Allah says, now how scary was this? When they came from all directions, above and beyond, front and the back, your eyes were not able to remain firm. You started looking left and right. You couldn't handle it. That's how scared you are. Okay. Number two, you, your, your hearts came to your mouths, meaning you were extremely perplexed and your heart was beating so hard. And you start having thoughts about Allah. That's a very important point I'd like to stop at. What does it mean, having thoughts about Allah? Ulama say this possibly what is being meant over here is that Every single person is thinking something different. The hypocrites are saying, ah, ab to 
The hypocrites are like, why were we with the Muslims all along? Now we're done. And some of the Muslims may also weaker Muslims, or it's not even weak, it's just the conditions are so strong, so difficult that a Muslim is also saying, Am I am I gonna make out of am I am I gonna come out alive out of this? What's gonna happen? Of course, some Muslims were their dhan was there, that no Allah will never um, forsake us. They had that. But others were scared. Allah says, I know that. This is the physical condition and the emotional condition. You were having thoughts about me and your, 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 blood, your, your heart reached your throats and you were not able to <clears throat> even focus on anything. Allah says, at this moment, the Muslims were really tested and they were shaken to their core. So what does this mean? Is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purposely put the Muslims through this type of situation. Shake them. What happens when you shake? You sift something. And at home we sift, yeah? We sift things through a sifter. And what happens? You separate two types of things. That which you want to keep and that which you want to throw away. We do that with our chai, right? You throw away the, 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 the tea, uh, you know, tea leaves and you keep the tea. It did its job, now throw it away, use and throw. Allah, think about what I just said, use and throw. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He allows non-sincere people to get in line. He allows non-sincere people to do the work. But then, Allah will send down the sifter. And after that, those who are not sincere, who are not true lovers of Allah, they'll be thrown out into the garbage. And only the true khalis people will remain around. They did their job. They gave the, uh, you know, the color to the tea. But we don't want them. Because you're not sincere. You're not nice to have. And we've thrown away. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He uses many times the hypocrites and disbelievers to do the work. Comes in hadith, Inna Allah yu'ayyidu hadha deen bin rajulil fajra wa salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes assists this deen through a transgressor, through a sinful servant. Then He gets thrown away. Used and thrown. So what, why is it so important for us to think about this? It should not be that you and I are the use and throw ones. That Allah uses us to establish something, to get something started, to, to do some good wudini effort. And then Allah forbid, some test comes our way. And as we grow older, we distance ourselves from that effort or especially distance ourselves from deen in general. And that's very scary. Because that means there's something pro there was some problem in the intention. There was some problem in our sincerity. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala threw us out. So zulzilu zilzalan shadida is going to continue to happen. As we move towards the end of times, it's going to happen more and more. The imtihan from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be tough. My beloved friends, sometimes we look at the condition of the ummah and start getting su'udhan about Allah. Like, how come the Muslims are always suffering? How come the Muslims are always sinning? How come the Muslims are so poor? How come Muslim countries are so dirty? Yeah. How come Muslim countries can't follow the rules on the road, etc. These thoughts come to our mind. And then a person begins to look at these, the, the actions of Muslims and begins to discredit the deen itself. This is also imtihan. This is also imtihan. Adi ibn Hatim radiallahu anhu, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa one day he told him, he saw, why are you not accepting Islam? Such an intelligent, such an amazing man. Why, and why are you not accepting Islam? So then one day he said, I think I know, O Adi. 
You are seeing how poor my Sahaba are. And their needs are making you think twice about accepting Islam. Meaning, you are not looking at the crux of the matter. Instead, you are looking at the ahwal of the Muslims. And that, I don't want to become poor. Alhamdulillah, I have what I have. Why do I need to become poor and stop following the deen, start following Islam and then become like this? You know, this used to happen before. People would never want to send their kids to madrasa. Never want to send the kids to hips class. Why? Because poor people send their kids to madrasa. Right? I don't want, I'm not poor, but why would I send to my place where other poor people send their kids, lest he becomes poor? Who sends their kids to alam course? People who can't get, who cannot study, the, who cannot study dunya, who fail everything else, or who are handicapped, crippled, can't help in the shop. So we send them to the madrasa. So now, wealthier people start looking at that. Educated people start looking at that and say, ah, oh, we don't want this for our kids. We like the deen, but we don't like poor people. Or we don't like handicapped people. And alhamdulillah, Allah didn't make us like that. So why should, I put, why should we put our kids in that? That's what happened in India and Pakistan. And even the Middle East. For, for the past century. And then we pay the price for that. That's exactly. So and so, you had a bad experience with the alim. He, oh man, he's such a fool, he didn't understand. But mashallah, if you're the genius, why didn't you study him? Who stopped you? You can also go to madrasa. And if you're a genius, your son is probably a genius, send him too. So this, these are the issues that what affected the, some of the mushrikeen at that time affects us today. We start judging the deen by the followers to say, oh, the followers has this problem, this problem, that problem. So if I become religious, I'll also have problem. I will also become poor. I will also become X, Y, Z if I become deen. Am I making sense? What this waswas is so common. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He's mentioning in these ayat that this was the test that the Sahaba went through and of course the, the Munafiqun also went through. That are you going to follow the Sahaba even though they're going through so much difficulty? Or are you going to say, by basoga, done, I'm done with this. Next ayah Allah subhanahu wa says, Now the disbelievers began to say, and those people who have, so one thing I want to say, we have to have good hope in Allah. We have to. We must have good hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ulama say that this is one of the worst possible sins we can do. Is to think, Allah If we're going to follow the deen, if we're going to follow Islam, Allah is going to forsake us. So this imtihan is happening today. People are looking at what the Muslims are going through collectively and looking at the downtroddenness of the Muslim countries. And they say, this is the reason. I remember when I went to India, I saw there were many places, hundreds of pigs, swine, and hogs. And I said, oh my God, this is, I've never seen anything as disgusting as this. And they were let loose and they were eating the switch, eating the switch. And how sad it was when the elder of the community told me, ye Muslim neighborhoods ki alamat hai. In one city where I went, he said, this is specifically the areas, the Muslim areas. Now why? Muslims love pigs and swine? Because they live in such downtrodden areas of India, in many places, that they don't have proper sewage system. And so what should they do? They can't build their own sewage system. This is the system they have. They have these families of swine that clean it up. As disgusting as it is. But we cannot now become disliking the deen or the Muslims because of the situation they find themselves in. So I think this is a big waswasa that happens to the youth today. 
when they look at the difficulties that the Muslim Ummah is going through, in terms of wealth, in terms of education, in terms of all these other things, and then they start thinking, I don't want to become too religious, lest I also fall into this problem. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he said this is an imtihan for us, to say, are you going to look at the zahir of the Muslims who are following the deen and think that this is problematic, or are you going to look at the depth and to say no. <clears throat> Behind every difficulty, there is going to be some amazing uh, mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these munafiqun, they said, ma Allah and His Rasul have only deceived us. They have only lied to us. Today also, those who have a sickness in their heart, they start thinking, Bhai, I started coming to the deen, and as soon as I started doing that, my wife started acting up against me. My parents started acting up against me. What religion is this? When we started coming to the deen, people started hating on me. My beloved brothers and sisters, my dear listeners, it does not mean as soon as you come onto deen, 100% everything will start happening the way you want it. Look what Bilal happened to Bilal. What happened to Khabib? What happened to Khabab? What happened to Umar ibn Umar Adlano? What happened? When they, what happened to Ammar ibn Yasir? What happened to Sumayya? Radiallahu anhun, radiallahu anhum ajma'een. When they came towards Islam, all of them went through some unbelievable level of tests. And so that's part of the system of Allah that when you initially come to start studying the deen, things will come. Halat will come. Many boys and girls want to study ilm, they want to study alam course. And we tell them that this is not an it's not going to be an easy ride. Conditions will come. Your own family will be the ones who will be the most against you. Uh, your closest relatives will start thinking you've you're lost your mind. Why would you want to study ilm? And that's a price you have to be willing to pay. You have to be willing to have your parents or siblings or relatives, uncles and aunts upset because you're studying the deen. The haqiqat of deen is we are very far away from it. Let me tell you that. The haqiqah of deen is not growing out of beer. The haqiqah of deen is not having the topi in the kurta. The haqiqah of deen is not sitting in the masjid and doing dhikr. The haqiqah of deen is not that a person does khuruj in the path of Allah. Haqiqat of deen is not a person who's just doing khidmah outside of people. These are all different shawabas of deen. These are just, you know, external things. Deen when it comes into the heart is sifat. This is what we're speaking about. When push comes to shove and the whole family is against you. And you say, I'm sorry, I trust my Allah more than I trust all of you. I trust the deen more than I trust anything else. That's where the reality is. When it comes to, why is it that when it comes to, uh, you know, shadi baya and weddings and ceremonies, where, why all the deen of the people goes out the drain? Because it's not, it's fake, man. It's just, you know, lip service. It's like the cheap veneer. It's not real wood. That's why anytime you have fun, or get-togethers, or weddings, all the deen goes out. Brother, you were, it happened to me, it could happen to me. Where's the bayan? That was just bayan, that was just for, you know, mashallah, just for the tafsir part. But reality, you know, I have a shok and a jazbah, I want to do like this, I want to do like that, deka, deki, all the Hindu rasams, we want to do all that stuff. If, for example, if that's the case, then the deen has not come, deen is one heart, he has to come completely. So stop discrediting ulama and deen because you think they don't have the latest car. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Next time your son and daughter comes to say you want, they want to study the deen, 
Don't say, beta, you know, we want you to drive an expensive car. If you drive that, if you study Deen, you might end up, you know, having a simple car. That, say for something, but for Allah, don't give this answer because you know what? You're exposing your real identity. You're letting your kids know what e weak iman you have. You're letting the world know. Say something else, but don't say, Astaghfirullah. That is weak. All the big dari went down the drain. The big turban went down the drain. The big niqab went down the drain. All the jamaat work went down the drain. It's all fake. When ahwal come like this, a person has a choice and he starts saying, Oh brother, if I study the deen, my son studies the deen, my daughter studies the deen, no one will get married to them. These are things that people say. My son becomes an alim. Bye, come on, let's be frank. Brother, what happened to you four months a year? What are you talking about? If my son becomes an alim, no one will be able to, no one will be wanting to give our daughter to, her, to us. Or my daughter becomes an alima and doesn't do college education, she'll be, she'll be sitting you know, at home for till 30, 40 years old. These are real statements that people say. If I, my son becomes an alim, where will he That's what was that? Nifaq? Hypocrisy? What was that? What was that? All the bayans every single day that you give. Allah gives. Allah is a razaq. And when it comes to your own situation, I remember one of my African classmates, Molana, back in Africa. He would flare up and he would get so mad. He says, We are poor. We have nothing. We have nothing. And we are told, brother, go in the path of Allah. Allah will take care. Allah will take care. And the guy who's giving the bayan, he's got a seven series, you know, keys in his, in his, in his fingers. As he's rotating, he's giving a talk. Allah gives. Allah gives. Don't worry. He's loaded in cash. And he's expecting me to say, brother, don't worry. Allah will take care of you. Let me, let me, give, me that, give me that key. Give me that key. Let me see how long you last without that. That is my condition. I'm not saying, because all of us, alhamdulillah, are sitting here. Mashallah, we have immense wealth. Compared to the real poor people, we are millionaires here. Compared to those people living in the shacks of Africa. But it's just, he would sense the hypocrisy in people like me. To say, you say Allah gives and whatnot, but your own self, you have to be surrounded with a certain type of luxury. And anyone who's to take that, no, 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 that's too much. But for the rule of deen and yaqeen and taqwa, Allah does, Allah does for everyone else. When it comes to your own self, uh, I'm out. So this is, imtihan comes from Allah many times. What is your real true color? Do you truly trust in Allah? Do you truly have tawakkul? Do you truly believe that through deen respect comes and money, wallahi, does not give respect? Deen gives you respect or not? A, a person says, who spent time in the masjid in the effort of deen, openly saying, subhanAllah, how shaitan plays with tricks, that don't make your sons ulama. Because why? No one listens to the ulama. Instead, become an educated deendar doctor. People who listen to a deendar religious doctor, they won't listen to the ulama. That is such a poisonous statement that shows the real iman and yaqeen has not entered the heart. It's just a veneer. So watch yourself from saying these type of statements. If someone doesn't listen, it's like a Nabi. What are you doing? You're attacking the Nabi. The Nabi wasn't wealthy, was he? He didn't, have a he didn't have a position in the world in that sense. What a simple life he had. Are you telling me that the Nabi did not have the very best lifestyle? That the Nabi was not in the best honorable position? That instead Abu Lahab, Abu Jahl, Al-Ayyadhu Billah had that? What is it supposed to mean that an inheritor of the Prophet who says, Qala Allah and Qala Rasul, 
is not, doesn't enjoy a respectable position. Who cares whether people respect him or not? Did they respect Rasul initially? They pelted him with stones, they threw the intestines over his stomach, they did every single of his, over his neck, they did everything possible, more than any alim in the world has ever. No, not any alim. Any human being has not been tortured to the level Rasulullah has. And he himself said that. I have been put to test and I have been put to taklif more than anyone else for the sake of Allah. And I've been intimidated for the sake of Allah more than anyone else. So what is this supposed to mean? What kind of situation is this? That oh, the, the ulama and the people who study the deen, they're not respected. Hence we should become people of wealth and a little bit of deen so that we're respected. My dear brothers, this is all trash. Say, Seek Allah's refuge from this type of false beliefs and weakness of iman. And I'm saying this not because I don't have this or I'm free or I'm better than any of you. Astaghfirullah. I say this because this is how easily it can creep into us without even recognizing it. That we're giving the bayan against it, but we actually have our own problem ourselves. This can happen to me. It can happen to any one of us. So we seek protection, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from, from nifaq, from hypocrisy, and from not understanding Islam properly, but from judging Allah's help based on what we see Muslims are doing, or we see the Muslims' poverty, or we see the Muslims' lack of education, etc. And we then begin to blame Islam for that. That is an imtihan and a test that our youth are going through and our adults are going through. Subah sham, yi, lokere. That's what people are saying. Okay, by deen se kya hoga? Asal dunya bhi padai chahiye. Usse hamare, you know, tarakki hogi. If we get the dunya, then we will have tarakki. We have, you know, a, we're never going to win this battle like this. We're, we have become sellouts, right? Inside is this hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. How, why will Allah's help come with such people? Why will Allah's help come with such people who truly think that sunnah won't give you success, leading a life of Rasulullah won't give you success, instead of dressing up like the non-Muslims, acting like the non-Muslims, and trying to mingle with them. That's the only thing that will give us success. When that is a condition of the heart of us and the majority of the ummah, the help of Allah will not come. That we have to read the seerah of the Sahaba, the seerah of Rasulullah and see to what level they had submitted themselves to, to qala Allah, qala Rasul. That's it. I don't have that level. I pray that through this dars, Allah gives it to me. And Allah gives it to all of us over here. That then when, we, when we're faced with ahwal, we don't look right and left. We only look at Allah and say, Allah, I'm in it, I'm in it for the long run. I'm in it for the long run. Whatever you throw at me, I'll take it. But I am never going to look at the enemy and to say, I'm going to switch sides. Because that's what the hypocrites Allah is saying did. That's why this section, go home and read it again. You don't even need a tafsir, I'm telling you. Just reading the translation, like how I did, but spend more time in reading the translation of what we just read. You can easily start applying this to our own lives and overall the condition of the ummah, of what Allah is speaking about the hypocrites, what they did. You'll see very easily then a person may begin to think, man, these ayats fit, exactly fit upon me. I, I feel that myself. You know, I really feel that myself, that these ayats fit upon us. Because this is that the true deep down level of faith where no matter what happens, I'm not going to switch sides. And I'm never going to look at the other side. I'm never going to get impressed by the other side. That unfortunately, I don't have it. That's not there. When, when things get tough, then we, think, we forget all of that stuff. So this is what the munafiqun and those who had sickness, they said, whatever Allah promised us was a deception. Ayat number 12 is where, where we stop going over the sharh, the commentary. We'll continue inshallah uh, afterwards. If I said anything incorrect, may Allah forgive me for that. If I said something correct, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it and may He uh, make it a means of, of my own uh, hidayah and your hidayah and everyone else's hidayah inshallah.
few minutes of dhikr, inshallah. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله 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 لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك ان شاء الله كنت في اذان الله أكبر الله أكبر 
أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة
Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah, ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah. Ashadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah, ashadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. Hayya ala salati, hayya ala salah, hayya ala al-falah, hayya ala al-falah. قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله استوى اعتدلوا الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا والشمس وضحاها والقمر إذا تلاها والنهار إذا جلاها والليل إذا يغشاها والسماء وما بناها والأرض وما طحاها ونفس وما سواها فألهمها فجورها وتقواها قد أفلح من زكاها وقد خاب من دساها كذبت ثمود بطغواها إذ بعث أشقاها فقال لهم رسول الله ناقة الله وسقياها فكذبوه فأعقروها فدمدم عليهم ربهم بذنبهم فدمدم عليهم ربهم بذنبهم فسواها ولا يخاف عقباها الله سمع الله لمن حميده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين والليل إذا يغشى والنهار إذا تجلى 
وما خلق الذكر والأنثى إن سعيكم لشتى فأما من أعطى واتقى وصدق بالحسنى فسنيسره لليسرى وأما من بخل واستغنى وكذب بالحسنى فسنيسره للعسرى وما يغني عنه ماله إذا تردى إن علينا للهدى وإن لنا للآخرة والأولى فأنذرتكم نارا تلظى لا يصلاها إلا الأشقى الذي كذب وتولى وسيجنبها الأتقى الذي يؤتي ماله يتزكى وما لأحد عنده من نعمة تجزى إلا ابتغاء وجه ربه الأعلى ولسوف يرضى الله سمع الله لمن حميدا الله 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 أكبر سمع الله لمن حميده الله أكبر الله الله أكبر الله أكبر الله سمع الله لمن حميده الله الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر 
السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله الله أكبر استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا الله استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا الله استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا الله 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 Dear respected elders and brothers, Alhamdulillah, we are just now 10 days left for the annual retreat in Khatm al-Bukhari event. Those of us who are here today and have not registered yet, I request you please before you leave home, before you leave for home inshallah, kindly just take a moment to register so that we can have proper uh, numbers. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, we have about, uh, I think, 1,300 registrants so far. And uh, the goal is inshallah to reach up to 5,000. So we request everyone who is here, who has not registered yet for the event, please do so before you leave in the lobby. Or you can also do it on their website, on our website, masjidds.org backslash retreat. Second thing is, uh, we're, we are actually in the process make dua. We're trying to also arrange for uh, some buses from various different parts of the city and also different nearby um, areas where there's a lot of desire for brothers to attend the event. So we request you, inshallah, to continue to spread the word in different nearby states or faraway states as well. Alhamdulillah, uh, I had a beautiful three-day journey in different uh, states this past weekend, and the response was overwhelming of the, uh, the desire that people have for the deen, especially during, now, uh, during an era when they haven't gotten an opportunity to attend an event like this. And they don't seem to be any too many other opportunities in their own states. So people simply need to know about it. When they know about it, and even just a one minute of encouragement, and they're ready to book their flight and come. So when, it, when it's so easy to harvest, and it's so easy to gain the reward, we should not stay behind from making an effort. So every one of us here, my, who are listening to me, inshallah, my request to you is, I mentioned to the volunteers before Maghrib, if you come up with a list, you write down a list of 25 people. Instead of spamming or sharing in WhatsApp groups, you make a list of 25 people who you really love for the sake of Allah. 25 people. Or 20 people. And you say, okay, these are people who are my good friends who I truly care about. And those 20 people, then you will call individually, one-on-one, -on -one, and to say, we have this amazing program taking place starting from Friday before Jumu'ah, 10 a.m. on all the words, onwards till Sunday Asr. I want you to come with your family. Atikaf is for free. The meals are for free. There's no registration cost. And there's campfire. There's basketball tournament for the kids. There's babysitting for the mothers and fathers bringing their little children. There's all sorts of amenities here. During this three-day event, just come. And then you'll be able to witness. We have a Quran night too. We have a Quran and Nasheed night as well. We have various Quran from across the country. Maybe coming, alhamdulillah, and reciting. So that's an amazing experience as well, itself. So, so many things are happening simultaneously during this retreat. Share this message with them, and hopefully this will become a means of their, their children and themselves spending the rest of the summer properly. Okay? So what are we going to do, inshallah, from till next week? Come up with a list of 20, 25 people that we really care about. And individually we're going to call them, and we're going to invite them. And then we're going to say, inshallah, don't only come yourself, try to invite your whole community. Ask your local imam to make an announcement in the masjid. Right? Ask them to put it in their Jummah Juma announcement, etc. So if every single of the 100 people who are here right now in Salah, if we all make an effort, alhamdulillah, this, this entire seminary and the masjid will be full, inshallah, with people who have talab, people who have care, who care about the deen, they will all come if you all make this effort. And inshallah, I'm very hopeful from Allah it will happen. The question is, what share will you play in it? What share will you have? Are you going to get a cut or you're not going to get a cut from it? That's up to you. If you want to cut, then do something. 
And that is simply make dua and call people. Invite people, inshallah. Second thing is, next week, let's make niyyah as a community to fast Monday and Thursday. It's sunnah to fast Mondays and Thursdays anyway. But this week, let's, next week, let's make niyyah to fast specifically for the acceptance of this program so that Allah's help comes. We just did finish the tafsir. Allah's help comes through a'mal. So if we fast on Monday and Thursday and make dua at suhoor and iftar as a whole community, that Ya Allah, make this program super successful and accept it in your court, then I'm, I'm confident that 100 men and 100 women of our community making fasting, inshallah, will change the whole course. Right? This will really send vibrations throughout, not Chicago, but the whole universe. The whole world, they will feel the, the, the winds of hidayah coming from this little masjid of ours and this program if we increase our a'mal. Third thing, pray two rakat salatul hajjah. Every day, it'll take you two minutes, five minutes. Pray two rakat salatul hajjah and say, Allah, make this upcoming program a means of hidayah from myself, my family, and the, all those who are attending. So you make this, make this surakat salatul hajjah and fasting on Monday and Thursday. And whatever dhikr that you do after every salah or any salah, 100 times salawat, 100 times istighfar, at the end of that dhikr, say, Allah, let the dhikr be a means of attracting your mercy and your help. Will we do this? Inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for me and all of us. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanallah, bihamdi, shalallah, ilaha illa, anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka.